Hey, if you would grab your Bibles this morning, we're going to look in Judges chapter number six, the Old Testament Judges, the seventh book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Judges. We're going to start a brand new series this morning, and we're going to do it on Sunday morning, Sunday night for the next couple of weeks, entitled No Fear. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some very rich stories from the Old Testament, people from the from the Old Testament that battled with fear, just like many uh, of you and I, uh, many of us do. And then we're going to look and see how God delivered them from their fear and caused them to operate through their weakness in his strength. But before we, before we get to our passage in Judges, I want us to use for our thought and just kind of a foundational scripture. It's actually found in the New Testament. You don't have to turn back there. And I want for the next couple of weeks, I want you to commit this to memory. Maybe even before we finish and leave here this morning. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. You probably already know this verse. Verse number 7. Here's what scripture says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Will you say that verse with me? Say it with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And yet so many people live their lives today paralyzed by fear. They're affected by fear. They're paralyzed by fear. They're, they're, they're hurt by a spirit of fear. Always worried. Always concerned about things, always trying to figure out what's what's the next step, always trying to manipulate the situation. Well, this morning we're going to examine the story uh, of a man who was just like that. We're going to look at, at this man who, who in his own self felt kind of weak and kept, felt inadequate and, and truly was fearful. A man by the name of Gideon. Now, this is not the guy who left his Bible in your hotel room the last time. This is the Gideon of the Bible that God called to, to lead the army of Israel into battle. And as we get into the story, you're going to find out that this was not the ideal candidate to lead the army. Judges chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. The, screen, uh, the, the verses will be on the screen. If you have a hard time following along. Judges chapter 6. I'm sorry. Judges chapter 6. Well, at least you're paying attention. I heard all the pages turning. Excellent. Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. Here's what the scriptures say. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, God gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Let me just stop there and give you some history that's going, to get, that's going to help you with these two verses. Here's what has been going on. 200 years before this passage, 200 years before this story, Israel had defeated the Midianites in battle. And as Israel was prone to do, after this great victory over the Midianites, they decided that they were kind of full of themselves. That, look what we did. Nobody expected us to do this. And so they kind of got cocky and they kind of got into, you know, thinking of themselves. And they basically said, we don't need God. Look at what we did. And so through this process, God removed his hand of blessing from Israel. And Israel, the Bible says, stopped increasing in numbers. In other words, all of these old soldiers that, that they had, all of these soldiers that they had that defeated the Midianites... They kind of died off and nobody replaced them. They stopped increasing in numbers. On the other hand, the Midianites, those who were defeated, 
they grew a lot. They multiplied like bunny rabbits. I mean, there were just people everywhere. The Bible says that they looked, the Midianites looked like swarms of locusts. There were so many of them. They were everywhere. And for 200 years, generation after generation had, had told their sons and their grandsons about the humiliating defeat that they suffered at the hands of the Israelites. And for 200 years, this sense of revenge and this sense of we need to get back with them had grown as their numbers grew. Historians tell us that during sometime during this 200-year period, that the Midianites also domesticated the camel. Now, that sounds like a, a random piece of trivia, but it's not. There's something to that. Because through this 200 years, not only did their numbers increase, and not only did they grow, they domesticated the camel. Well, what does that mean? Well, that allowed them to travel farther, travel faster, arrive places healthier. That allowed them to use this domesticated camel as a weapon of warfare. And for 200 years, they had talked about getting even and getting revenge. And in Judges chapter 6, they had done that. They attacked Israel. They got to a point where they were so big that they attacked Israel and they virtually annihilated them. See, the Midianites didn't want to attack someone to conquer them. They weren't like the Babylonians. They didn't want to conquer them. They wanted to annihilate annihilate them. So if you read in verses 3 through 6, you'll see that. They killed people. They destroyed their livestock. They they would ruin their crops. Their goal was total destruction. And this is exactly what the Midianites did to Israel. And so Israel was now living in poverty. And they were scared to death. And the enemy was, was great. The Midianites were great. And that's when God sent an angel to the, uh, of the Lord to a guy who was very, very afraid. Look at verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. The angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son, what was his name? No, you're going to have to do better. You have to work with me on this. I need your help. So what was his name? Gideon. His son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, let me just pause there. This, this may come as a shock to many of you, but I'm not much of a farm boy. I know that's shocking to you. I'm just not. But, but I do know a couple of things. I don't know a whole lot of things about threshing wheat, but I do know this. You don't thresh wheat... In a wine press, right? You thresh wheat on a threshing floor, not in a wine press. Wine presses were small. They were, you know, uh, troughs of, of, of stone and, and they, wine presses were for crushing grapes and making wine. And yet the Bible says that Gideon was threshing wheat, doing his job, in a wine press. Most likely in a cave, hiding out because he was afraid. Look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, this is the guy who's hiding out in the wine, in the cave, in the wine press, threshing wheat because he doesn't want to get caught. And the Bible says that the Lord says, uh, the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you and then calls him a mighty 
warrior, which is just almost hilarious because you, you can almost see Gideon hiding out, his knees knocking together, peeking out the cave door to see if anybody's coming to get him, saying, you know what? I'm not going out there. You guys can go. I'm, not, I'm afraid. And God, through the angel of the Lord, looks at him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know what I love about this? I, I love about this verse that God looked at Gideon and God saw something in Gideon that Gideon did not see in himself. And he does that with you. And he does that with me. As God looks into your life, God will see more inside of you than you see in yourself. The Lord is with you. God is with you. God is for you. Romans tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God is with you. And, and the Lord spoke to him and called him something that he did not feel in himself. A mighty man of valor. A mighty warrior. Now let me just tell you that as soon as God begins to stir in you this sense that he has called you and gifted you to do something for him, to do something great that God has created me for a divine purpose, that he wants me to make his name great, as soon as you sense that God wants you to do something, as soon as that happens, almost every single time, if you're like me without fail, the, the, the sense of insecurity begins to rise up in you. All of the reasons why you're not the right person for the job begins to play out in your mind. Insecurities rise to the top, and they did with Gideon. Two very distinct, as we read this passage, two very distinct insecurities rose to the top of Gideon's life. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first one. God speaks to him and he says, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. But, the, but Gideon wasn't able to see that. See, he had an insecurity. Gideon was afraid that God was not going to be faithful. God was not going to be faithful. That God's word was not going to be true. Look in verse 13. Gideon says back to the angel, But sir, if the Lord is with us, would you read that, read that next phrase aloud? Why has all of this happened to us? If the Lord is with us, the angel of the Lord comes and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, mighty warrior. And Gideon responds, But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? If God is with us, then why is everything heading south? And it's interesting that Gideon would ask that question because he knew the prophet had already came and said, because you have, have turned your hearts away from God, that all of these things are happening. But, but Gideon's question is very revealing. See, Gideon was wondering about the very character and the very faithfulness of God, which so many of us, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, have done that at a time or two in our own lives. We've wondered about those things. God, if your word is really true, why is it that I have such a hard time believing it? Lord, if what you say is true, you know, when I pray and I pray and I pray for something to happen and then it doesn't happen. In fact, sometimes the opposite happens. Lord, why is all of this happening to us? If you're really real there, if you're really real, Lord, and you're there, why? Why, why is this happening? Why does it always seem like instead of going forward that I always seem to be going backwards in my life? Lord, why is all of this happening? 
And Gideon, like so many of us, began to question the faithfulness of God. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? His second great insecurity, if you're taking notes, is this. Gideon was also afraid that he wasn't good enough. I don't know about you, but man, can I relate to that. Lord, you've got the wrong person. Watch what Gideon says in verse 15. But Lord, how can I save Israel? You call me a mighty warrior, but here's what I think of myself. My clan is the weakest and in that weakest clan, by the way, Lord, I'm the least. Not, you've got the wrong guy. You ever feel like that? God, I'm the wrong dude. Sometimes, I, I was saying in the, prayer, uh, in the prayer room this morning, that sometimes I have this conversation with God, forgetting that He is all-knowing and sovereign. And I begin to say things like, but Lord, I don't, I don't think you've considered this. And perhaps you're not sure about all of the details. I know you're busy, but let me just fill you in on a few things. That's what happens. Maybe you can relate to that. You sense that God is calling you to do something. And all of a sudden you begin to present your resume of of the why nots. Why I can't do this and why you've got the wrong person. You know, what you don't understand, God, is, is spiritually I'm inconsistent. I mean, sometimes I'm on, but, but more often than not, I'm off. Right? And I don't know that much about the Bible, and my, my, my prayer life is not that great, and I'm not the best-looking person out there, and I don't have leadership skills, and, and don't you dare put me in front of people to talk because I'm going to freeze up every time. I wasn't at the top of my class. In fact, I was at the half of the class that made the top half possible. God, I was never voted to do anything but go to prison. And, and, and Lord, you've got the wrong guy, just not the candidate for you to use in securities. This is what happened to Gideon. God says, I am with you, mighty warrior. And he says, no, <laughs> it's going to take more than that. Insecurities. God, if you're really here, then why are things like they are? God, you're telling me I'm supposed to do something great, but, but you've got the wrong person. I'm not that guy this morning as we talk about this this the subject of fear and tonight and for the next couple of uh, weeks next Sundays here's what I want you to do this week I want you to pray through this this question this very piercing question I don't want you to just answer it and go on but I really want you to pray through this question and ask God to reveal himself to you through this question here it is what has fear kept me from doing that God is calling me to do? What has fear kept me from doing that God is calling me to do? Remember what I said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What has fear, that ungodly fear, kept me from doing that God is calling me from doing? For for many of you, God may be calling you to, to share your faith. To share your testimony with someone, maybe at work, maybe he's been dealing with you and and prodding you to say, you need to just share your testimony and share your faith. And then all of the why nots come into play. God, I don't know if I can do it. What, What if I say the wrong thing? What if they have a question for me that I can't answer? What if it's the wrong time? What if I mess up? Lord, I don't want to blow this. So, so fear binds you and keeps you from doing it. 
For others of you, it may be ministry related. It may be maybe something in this church that God is calling you to take a step up in this church, not to just come and, and sit on a pew and just just attend church, but to actually be the church. Maybe ministry related, maybe to lead a Bible study or or, or, or teach a Sunday school class or or, or go on a mission trip or perhaps lead a, a mission trip. And in the back of your mind, you're saying, but I'm not spiritual enough. I don't pray enough. I don't have a daily Bible reading. What if I mess up? Others of you, it may not even be in ministry related. Maybe it's in the secular world that God has laid on your heart and given you the desire to begin a business. A business that's going to be used for His glory and for His honor. And He's calling you to take a step out in faith. But in the back of your mind, you're saying, what if I mess up? What if that wasn't God that was speaking to me? What if I get out there in the middle and I'm incapable of doing this? Some of you this morning, and this will, will speak right to you. you. You're on that spiritual line. You're straddling that line, that straddling that fence. And, and you know in your heart, you know in your spirit that it's time to take the step across. Not that kind of sort of halfway lukewarm, yeah, we go to church every once in a while, and yeah, I give some money every once in a while. No, that we're talking about a wholehearted life commitment. Jesus, I want you as my Savior in my life, but I want you as my Lord over everything, in every way. I am yours, you are mine, you have me forever. And some of you this morning, you know it's time, you know what's right. And yet in the back of your mind, all of these insecurities and all of these doubts and all of these questions and all of these fears begin to rise. But if I do that, what are people going to say? What are the people at work going to say about me? And, and will I get to still date my boyfriend because, you know, he likes to do those things that are not pleasing to Jesus? What's going to happen? I know I'd like to do that. I know that I should do that. But if I take that step out there... What if I do something that doesn't honor, doesn't please God? What's going to happen? And you let fear grip you and paralyze you to where you become ineffective. Insecurity. Fear. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This morning, I pray with everything in me today that the Spirit of God stirs you. And He says to you that I am with you and with inside of you, there is a mighty warrior. And when you begin to hesitate and when you begin to say, but God, is that true? Can I trust you? God, am I good enough? And you begin to give all of the reasons why not. When all of a sudden your fear rubs against your faith, I pray this morning that your faith will conquer that fear. And when all of a sudden... When, 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 when you're called and when you become hesitant and that you know that you have an appointment with God's destiny, but you're afraid to take that step of faith, when you're, you're afraid to take the step out, whenever that happens, what I, what I hope you remember, what I hope you remember this morning is that God has seen inside of you a mighty warrior. That God has seen a Gideon inside of you. In fact, that He has called you to do the Gideon. Can you all just say that with me? The Gideon. You didn't say it again. One more time. Now, one in the world is the Gideon, right? Some of you are thinking, is this a dance move? No, we're Baptists. We don't dance. Right? 
Here's what the Gideon is. When God uses an unsure, insecure, and fearful person to do the impossible. When God uses an unsure, insecure, and fearful person to do the impossible. Read the Bible. God loves to do the Gideon. He does it all throughout Scripture. Some of you right now, you're facing an impossible situation. And everything in you, in your mind, all of the logic that you have says that this is impossible. There's no way this is going to work out. It cannot be done. Well, let me just tell you that right now you are a prime candidate for God to step into your life and to do the Gideon. Because He uses unsure, insecure, and fearful people to do the impossible. Let me give you two Gideon truths. The first one is this. Understand with God, His strength through your weakness is exactly enough. His strength through your weakness is exactly enough. Go back and look at verse 14 of Judges chapter 6. Look what the Scripture says. The Lord turned to Gideon and He said, Go in the strength that you have. In other words, what I have already placed inside of you, what I have already given to you, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? If God is calling you, don't you think he will equip you? If God is calling you, don't you think that he's going to give you the resources to get it done? If his name is on the line, don't you think that he's going to deliver? God says, get in, go, go, get it done. I've called you, I've equipped you, get it done. You're the one, you're the one that I chose, I see it in you, you are a mighty warrior. Get up, get it done, get at it, am I not sending you? And isn't that enough? Well, it should be. But it wasn't. Not for Gideon. And oftentimes in our own lives, how many times have God, has God called us to do something? And somebody says, the Lord has told you that He would never leave you for, or forsake you. And you go, well, that's a good verse. But I don't think it applies. I mean, i got some other things going on here. You don't, if you knew the details... It should be enough. Am I not sending you? But it wasn't. It wasn't good enough for Gideon. And you know what? I know that story like you would not believe. Some of you, this, you're going to be surprised by this, but I have been serving in churches for 20 years. 20 years. The first church that I began to serve at, I was 17 years old. So do the math real quick. And you know, every time I step on the stage, generally to lead music, I'm nervous. Some of you this morning commented when I, when I came by and spoke to you and I shook your hands. You said, your hands are cold. They're like ice. You know why? I'm nervous. 
Every time. My hands are always cold. They're cold now. That's why I keep putting them in my pocket. They're cold. The good news is, um, when I have to speak, I don't have, you know, I don't throw up in the bathroom anymore before I speak. And, right? That's great news. Sometimes a little bit in my throat, but I swallow that back down. But I get nervous. I'm guessing there's nobody coming to the altar this morning, right? (laughs) I get nervous. Here's the deal. Because I know that I'm not good enough. I know that I don't have anything to say from this stage or from any other point that that, that is life-changing, that will help you. I know that I don't have that. But do you know what happens? Somehow, miraculously, God takes my pathetic little attempt at words... And He personalizes them through His Spirit for you. I know. I don't have this in me. But God takes those words and and He uses them. I don't speak a whole lot, but when I do, usually I will get an email or somebody nice enough to say at the end, you know, they they, they misquote me. They'll, They'll say things like, you know, when you were speaking this morning... It was like you were speaking directly to me. When you said such and such, and in my head I'm going, well, when did I say that? I didn't say that at all. You know what that is? That is God taking my pathetic little attempt at speaking and transforming it, and through His power and through His Spirit, applying His Word to your life. My weakness is a great conduit for God's strength, and so is yours. Where are you weak right now? You see, it's a perfect place for God to show up and to do the Gideon. Something that only He can do. Look in verse number 16. This is is so good. This is rich. Look in verse 16. Because Gideon is still not convinced. He's still freaking out. This is what he says. The Lord answers him and God says, I will be with you. And you will strike down all of the Midianites together. When you believe that God is with you, the deal is done. There's no reason to worry. There's no reason to stay uh, awake at night. The Bible tells us that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps, and certainly there's no reason for both of us to be up all night. There's no reason to stay up and, and, and worry and trying to figure out things in your mind going over and over again saying, I should have said this or I should have done that or I will say this and I'll do that. I've got to write this down. When God is with you, it is settled. No reason to be afraid. No reason to be anxious. No reason to be freaked out all of the time. When God is with you, it's done. You can take it to the bank. You can rest in it. You can have peace. When God is with you, it is settled. He will get it done. He's going to make sure that it gets done. God is my provider. He is my deliverer. He is my redeemer. He is my defender. He is my strength. He is my source. He is my righteousness. I'm with God and He is with me. And that combination changes everything. And he said to Gideon, I will be with you. But Gideon, like so many of us, was struggling with this, with this fear and this unbelief. And, and so Gideon begins to work this out in his mind. And so this is what he basically says. So, okay, God, I, I, I think I'm getting what you're saying. You're saying 
that you want to deliver us. Am I hearing you right? And God said, yeah, that's right. You got it. Gideon's saying, well, what you want to do is you, you want to use me to defeat all of the bad guys. And God's going, you got it. Very good. And so Gideon says, all right, so, I, so I've got that and, and I'm with you. But I just want to make sure. I, I, just, need, I, just, need some, I just need some affirmation, some validation. Can I, can I just make sure a little bit? So he says, God, if this is you, what, what I'm going to need from you is a sign. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you ever done that before? God, I need a sign. You're telling me to do this, but I'm just not sure that it's you. Can you give me a sign? And so Gideon asks for this outlandish, never going to happen, impossible sign. And by the way, we're told in Scripture that this is really not a wise thing to do. And yet, for some reason, God says, okay, Gideon, I'm going to show you. And so God gives Gideon this amazing sign. You can read about it in Judges chapter 6. And he gives him this, this, this amazing sign with this altar that is, that is consumed. And Gideon sees this and he goes, wow. That is truly amazing. This is one of those things that could never happen. God, I, I, I believe you. But I'm going to need some more. Do you have something else? And so Gideon asks for another sign. And God says, okay, here's your other sign. And Gideon says, man, that, that, is, that is it. I see it. I'm almost there. We're this close. I, I mean, we can seal the deal if you'll just give me one more sign. And so God gives Gideon three signs. And so Gideon finally says, okay, God, obviously this is you. And so it's time to recruit an army. And so God moves Gideon out of the cave, out of the wine press, and he begins to, to raise an army. And, and so I guess, I don't know how he did that. Maybe he posted, you know, put posters all over the wall that said, you know, I want you. And so he raises this army and all of a sudden 32,000 Israelites come together. To make this army. 32,000. You know what most people would say? Man, that is phenomenal. 32,000. What a first day. This is awesome. I can guarantee you that Gideon wasn't thinking that. Gideon sees 32,000 people coming and you know what he's thinking? That's a good start. Um, I mean, that, you know, that'll get us... uh, Maybe the initial stage, but that, that's a good start. Do you know how I know that? Because history tells us at the time that this battle takes place, there were about 150,000 Midianites. And they were friends with the Amalekites and other nations from the east. And so it, it is safe to assume that there were some 200,000 or more Midianites that were going to go against this 32,000 in battle. And so Gideon is saying, hey, this is a good starting point. It's a lousy stopping point, And so we need more. Good start. We need more people. God, however, says otherwise. Look in chapter 7 of Judges. Verse number 2. The Lord says to Gideon, you have... 
too many men. <laughs> and Gideon's going, what? You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. Too many? This brings us to our second Gideon truth. And that's this. That with God, the way forward is often backwards. With God, the way forward is often backwards. So, some of you right now, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you're praying in your life. God, all I want to do is move forward. I want to go forward. I need some forward momentum, some forward progress in my life. I'm praying that spiritually I move forward, that I go ahead. God, I want you to help my marriage because, because right now I need to go forward and everything seems to be going backwards. Take it forward. God, I need you to do this. I need you to provide. I need you to move us forward. But it seems like everything seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And we're going backwards. Financially, I need to make some progress. Help me with my children. Give me some forward momentum, some movement. My kids are going all the wrong way. Sometimes with God, the way forward is backwards. And you feel like in your life, all I need to do is move a little bit forward. I just need to take a step forward. If only I could get... God says to Gideon, you've got too many people. Any of you ever um, shot a slingshot as a kid? Raise your hand if you've if you shot a slingshot. Any of you ever shoot a bird? Shoot a bird? I hope not. Any of you ever shoot a cat? Well, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. But, but, but what do you do with a slingshot? You, you want to propel something forward, right? But before it can go forward, what happens with a slingshot? It has to be pulled backwards. It has to be taught and it has to be tight, and it has to go backwards. Before there's any forward progress, before there's any momentum, you have to go backwards. Maybe for you, the first, you know, the way forwards is to first go backwards. Watch what God does. This, this is amazing. Look at verse 2 again, at the end of the verse, leading into verse number 3. God says, In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, because this has been a problem in the past, Announce now to the people that anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So, 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. 22,000 men went home to Mama. 10,000 stayed. 32,000 minus 22,000 equals not enough. 10,000 people. And Gideon is saying... but. But God, I thought we were going forward. You said you were with me. I thought we were moving forward. And God says, we are. We are. I, I am doing something that's, that's not going to make sense to anyone else. But before we can move forward, we've got to go backwards. And we, we've not gone backwards nearly, nearly enough. So God says to Gideon, I want you to take that 10,000 that remain and I want you to tell them to go over to that lake over there and, and get some water. 
And I want you to watch them. Watch how they drink. Those guys who, who get down on all fours and, and, and plunge their face into the water and drink water like a dog, send them home. But those who go over to the lake and they, they dip their hand down in the water and they put the water up to their mouth, that's who you take into battle because those are men who are prepared. Those are men whose eyes are focused on the enemy because their face is not plunged down into a pool of water. That's who you take into battle. 300 men drank that way. 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. And Gideon says, but Lord, I thought we were going forward. And God says, we are. We are. And so he looks at Gideon. He said, all right, let's, let's put together our battle plan. Here it is. You ready? Here's what I want you, you and your 300 men to do. I want you to go raid the marching band and get all of the brass instruments and bring them back. The trumpets and all of those things that you can blow on. Right? And I want you to go and get some pitchers, not the baseball pitchers, but some pitchers that you can hold things in and, and, and bring them with us. Bring enough so we can put some sweet tea in it and have some for the battle time. He didn't say that. That's just extra. And, and, and get some torches. Get your trumpets and your, and, and your pitchers and, and your torches. 300 people against maybe 200,000 or more. And we've got instruments, drinking glasses, and candles. What? And God says, go out there and here's what I want you to do. I want you to blow the horns. Da, 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 da. Blow the horns. And then throw the pitchers on the ground and, and, and causing this, this crash. And then lift up your torches. And this was the battle plan that God had. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for Gideon. you got to know that he's saying, man, I wish I was in my cave. And you know what happens? You read the rest of the story that they did just that. That they blew the horns and they threw the pitchers down and caused them to crash and make this loud noise and they raised their torches in the air and God caused the Midianites to be so confused and so discombobulated that they formed this circular firing squad and they destroyed each other. And you know what happened? Everyone looked on that day and said, this had to be God. It had to be God because this could not have happened with me. There's no other way. This morning, God sees something in you that no one else sees. He's with you, mighty warrior. And as soon as you begin to sense that all of your insecurities and all of your fears are going to rise, well, well God, what if that's not really you? And, 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 and what if I'm not good enough? But I'm telling you in your life this morning that God wants to do something through you. He wants to do the Gideon. And in your weakest moment, at your point of greatest weakness, that is where His strength and His power will come through. That's where it will shine. And you'll feel things like... You, you'll feel like we're going backwards and yet He's taking you forward in an unusual way. As we close this morning, here's what I want you to think about today. There are many of you here this morning that, that, that may say, you know... I, I really am affected by fear. I'm paralyzed by it. I'm hurt by a spirit of fear. I'm, I'm always worrying. I'm always concerned. I'm, I'm always trying to manipulate the situation. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to figure things out. And, and it's obvious that I don't trust God. 
And I want to say that I do, but my life shows that I really don't. And I'm plagued with fear and I'm plagued with insecurity. I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I'm always hesitant to take that step out of faith. This morning, God wants to show you that He is with you. And you may feel like your life is sliding backwards, and maybe it is. But oftentimes, in the economy of God, in order for Him to move you forward, He has to first take you backwards. Maybe He needs to get you to a place where you've got nothing else but Him. When you're down to nothing, someone said, God is up to something. Maybe He's up to something in your life today. That's where you are then let me just say this as I close. Your prayer is very simple this morning. God, help me overcome this fear. I want to trust in you, not what I see, not in what I hear. I want to trust in you. Even when I'm going backwards in my life, God, I want to trust in you. Break this spirit of fear over my life. I want to put my life completely in your hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you stand with me today as we pray? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, in just a moment I'm going to pray for us. And and after that, this altar is open. Maybe you feel the need to come forward this morning. Maybe you need someone to pray with you or you need to get alone with God and have Him break this this curse of fear in your life because it doesn't come from God. The Bible tells us God does not give spirit of fear. That comes from our enemy. Maybe there's other things that you need to do today. Whatever it is, in just a moment, this altar is going to be open, but let me pray for us first. Father, we thank you that you are the God of the universe. Lord, that you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last that you knew the last page of the book before the first page was ever written. God, we thank you that you are a sovereign God who loves your people but beyond what we could ever imagine, beyond what we could ever think. And so this morning, we seek you. We don't seek our own way. We don't seek our own answers. We seek you. God, I want you. And I pray in the name of your Son, your risen Son, Jesus Christ, that you would break the spirit of fear this morning, that we would recognize that fear is not from you that it's from the evil one, that it's from Satan, our enemy. Break that, God, and replace it with the spirit of power and the spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. God, build our faith in You, not in what we see, not in what we hear, not in the circumstance around us, God, but in You. Build our faith in You. Help us to see, Lord, that the point of our greatest weakness is where Your strength is made perfect. God, help us to know that oftentimes... In order for us to move forward, you have to take us backwards. And so we trust in you, God. May your strength, may your power, may may it be made perfect in our lives today. And God, when you do what only you can do, Lord, as the army that day, we are going to tell everybody this is because of the hand of God. We trust in you. Build our faith that we would always trust in you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.